Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Rosebud. What's Rosebud? That's what he said when he died. Get in touch with everybody that ever worked for him. Whoever loved him. Whoever hated his guts. You're a reporter. You want to know what I think about Charlie Kane. But he never believed in anything except Charlie Kane. He never had a conviction except Charlie Kane in his life. I wonder, you put all this stuff together. Palaces, paintings, toys and everything. What would it spell? You're right, Mr. Thatcher. I did lose a million dollars last year. I expect to lose a million dollars this year. I expect to lose a million dollars next year. You know, Mr. Thatcher, at the rate of a million dollars a year, I'll have to close this place in... 60 years. Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming back. As promised, we did a good movie this time. Yes. Mike, Diego. Mm -hmm. We watched Citizen Kane today. A much-needed palate cleanser from 65. (laughs) Can we pat ourselves on the back? (laughs) Yeah. Good job, everybody. Hey, you know, it's making its rounds. I heard my brother and my dad talk about it the other day, how bad it was. But, you know. Uh, yeah, we could say we were ahead, you know, ahead of the game right on that. So it was a pretty bad movie. (laughs) It was an unfortunate movie. Yeah, it was a little movie that could, but the movie that did was Citizen Kane. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, (laughs) I could just see the expression on Diego's face the whole time of like, like, Mm -hmm. you know, just the movie comes at you. It's it's uh, it's Beethovenic. I don't know if that's a word, but it's like a Beethoven. It's a symphony of just sensory. It's art. Yeah. What we saw with 65 was like. I don't know, the equivalent of a comic book, pulpy, 
Poppy. And actually slower than Citizen Kane, oddly enough. Oh, it's more boring than Citizen Kane. Yeah. And Citizen Kane is like this perfectly created piece of artwork. Mm-hmm. It's framed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has a little placard next to it. I, like, so the artist's name, description, mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I forgot how dense it was. Just purely the amount of density in this movie. Um you know, I was worried it wouldn't be dense enough for like a modern, like I was worried mm. to be anachronistic in like its yeah. pacing. And I guess I had forgotten it's been know. like 10 years, you know? Yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought honestly it, it was fantastic. I was, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I felt like, you know, it was just a lot of aspects of it. This was, was the first time that you watched this movie, by the way, Diego. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was my first time. And <laughs> I've I seen just, it before. Yeah. Mike has seen it much more than I. But this yeah. was your first time. Mm-hmm. What were your first impressions leaving this movie? Yeah, so honestly, when I first heard about Citizen Kane, I for some reason thought it was about um it was this action movie about this like I don't know, some <laughs> kind of uh detective of some kind, some private eye, had like a bit of a noir sense and therefore had like it was kind of snoozy, but it was able to keep snoozy. like. You oh, know. you know we. Need that was to... just some wild thought that I had. You about might have thought of the Third Man, which stars Orson Welles, and it's about okay. like a private eye in Vienna, and okay, and like Orson Welles plays another mysterious character. Maybe Touch yeah. of Evil that we watched. Yeah, before. <laughs> yeah, yes. all the yeah. other noirs connected to apparently. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and yeah, the um, but yeah, I I I honestly thought the uh, the movie was. Like really fantastic. I I really did see a lot of like tropes that's like was carried on later within the years of just yeah. film and cinema. And I I don't know. There was I don't know that there were. I'm already thinking of all the my favorite parts of the movie and the little quips. Yeah, it's you know? interesting that you bring up uh, the uh, you bring up the noir that Orson Welles was in because I yeah. feel like this is like. You know, it's the noir of fame, maybe. Like, mm. you're just seeing this seedy underbelly underbelly <laughs> of being a, a, of being this sort of, uh, what's the word? Like, being a very, um, public person. You know, I don't know if yeah. you guys have ever seen, like, what is it, comedians in coffee grabbing cars or. Oh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's thing? Y- yeah, the thing he comedians. has. Comedians. In coffee, car, cars, cars, coffee, grabbing I've coffee. Heard of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so so he has an episode with Obama, and they spend a moment talking about the loss of anonymity oh, yeah. and like how that affects you as a person. In Obama's and, limo. Yeah, or no, it's in the cafeteria. It's in the cafeteria of the. They started in his limo, then they went to the White House cafeteria, which yeah. is surprisingly bland. Uh, yeah, it's probably like an office built. Like to be honest, it's the same you know office. I mean, it's like they ride in a Cadillac, and you know, they're not seventies Cadillacs, they're not thirties Cadillacs. They can yeah. technically, arguably, do whatever they want, but not really within you know bounds. Well, there's like both a, a like what they're allowed to do legally, and then there's what they're practically allowed to do, which is probably a lot more. I don't know how much they actually do, but right, you know. right, right, but. Um, I, I digress. I wanted to bring up that point because, um, I think a lot of Citizen Kane is how success gradually draws this guy away from reality. Like Mm -hmm. his, it's, it's interesting that it's a movie with an audience because kind of the movies about his relationship with an audience, with being liked or being loved by humanity as a whole. Yep. 
And I don't know. I thought it was very interesting. It almost felt like he in the people that he dated or married or whatever, there's like a piece of the what he sees within the audience that he wants to love and be loved by, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I honestly kind of thought too that there was uh, definitely uh, Citizen Kane just like projecting uh, through the singer about how he he was like you know wanted to make some he didn't want to feel alone in the sense of being you know having your fate decided for you mm-hmm. because you know he you know the whole thing with Rosebud and having the sled. You know, he thinks of Rosebud is because that takes him back to the time before the fame you were talking about mm-hmm. anonymity. Anonymity. <laughs> anonymity. <laughs> oh man. A synonym for cinnamon. <laughs> cinnamon for synonym. Damn it. Alrighty. So go straight into spoilers with the sled. Yeah, sorry about oh, that. But yeah. you know, if you don't know movie. by now. Yeah, it's yeah. Sorry. You've had like how long has this movie been out? Eight 80 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, my, my my uh to bring it back to Rosebud, I I felt like for him when he was thinking of Rosebud, that was the time when he didn't have fame, all this money, all these problems. That was the, the turning point yes. for him. And he was just like, God, I just want to be taken back to the time before my parents gave me away. It's like Kanye finding his backpack or something. Yeah. I'm glad they you go ask up Kim Kardashian, what is this? And he's just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. College dropout. Yeah. <laughs> and, and hey, Citizen Kane, he says he's a college dropout three or four times over that's true that is very oh true. my god yeah. Kanye west the citizen kane <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not too far off like but did kanye west fuck up his room probably when let's Kim, be Kim honest kardashian let's, dumped him let's be honest the I'm man sure he's gotten is... upset before like that yeah absolutely yeah. And then he picks up the college dropout cd college dropout you know, maybe he picks up the hard drive. I don't know. I don't know how it <laughs> yeah, works. You know, he picks up like a drum machine. I don't know. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh absolutely. Or, or, I am the greatest artist of all time. Destroys <laughs> drum machine to create new sound effect for the drum machine. It's like a cassette mm. player for his first mixtape. Like, okay. yeah. Oh man, it's like heartbreak. Yeah. Let's get really tragic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see all, right, all, right, all, right, all right. All right. All right. Settle down. Settle. Come on. Before he finds the podcast, let's reel it back in. Citizen Kane. Oh, Don't you man. mean it's sitting game sorry i'm trying to so (laughs) i'm glad you picked up on that diego Uh because like that's like when i was revisiting this film because like before we watched it today i only watched it like once 10 years ago Mm -hmm. more than 10 years ago (laughs) that was the first time i was watching it because i was drawn towards the story of this man's fall from grace he had it all he was destined to have it all and then because of events in his life, he lost everything and then fell into the uh, thematic underworld. And he was just destroyed as a person. Mm-hmm. I was drawn <laughs> towards that story because I think we're all fans of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're a little bit disappointed with the prequels, with yeah. Anakin Skywalker, how that was treated. And someone said how they should have treated Anakin Skywalker is how Citizen Kane was. 
That would have been a pretty easy shoe. I was too. thinking about <laughs> Star Wars when I was watching this for some reason. Really? Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it was. It was just like it, the it's energy. Very operatic. They're yeah. both very operatic. Yeah, it's and I was uh like what was it? I was assimilating the um I was uh thinking of Anakin Skywalker's uh love for Padme goes against the force, like uh, Citizen Kane's kind of oh man, I thought about this while I was watching the movie, but it was the same as like Citizen's Kane. Yes, because Anakin Skywalker lost Padme. Yes, Citizen Kane lost his wife. Yes. Can you wait? Can you guys imagine if Anakin lost like two girlfriends and got even worse? <laughs> like first he was just like, okay, he backed the Emperor. That's bad, and then he starts like actively killing people after his second breakup. You know, like what if I feel like if they they'd probably do it in a way where it's the first one he's like too afraid to move forward with it because of he's a Jedi, he knows better. Like, and it would be in his teenage years because he's a teen. Yeah, he, he was the chosen Disney. one. He was meant to be a Jedi Master. He didn't get either of those. He ended up falling from grace. He was not, quote, the chosen one. And then he became Darth Vader. They also, for Citizen Kane, they kind of skimmed the fall of the... uh, Because the fall of the Inquirer... Inquirer? Inquirer. Yeah, was the... uh, Was the Great Depression, right? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish that was just like... I saw a little bit more of that turmoil about like, you know, well, it was going. like recent, like the depression had started like 11 years before this movie was made Mm-mm. within the movie. Oh yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, the old people of 1941, which he's like implied to be is really of the progressive era and what happened to the progressive era. You know, that, that point in American history where we, we got past all these debates about gold versus silver and people were like, Hey, we should like stop having kids breathing coal and have them go to school instead. Like, (laughs) and maybe a minimum wage and not having, you know, the poor people have paint in their milk or whatever. Like, (laughs) you know, I don't know all the stuff libertarians want us to go back to, but like, sorry, not a joke. Arkansas, I think is it, or Louisiana. One of the, one of the Southern states is now like legalizing child labor instead of, Raising the wages and stuff. Who else like, can fit in the machines, Mike? I know, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But but <laughs> even for bartenders now, they're they're talking about anyway. So I, I'm I'm getting off track here. What I wanted to what I wanted to bring up about that whole um, progressive era thing was that there's this there's a story that especially the Republicans of that era had where you know Theodore Roosevelt was a Republican. He was sort of an accidental candidate where they made him vice president so he couldn't do damage as a governor and pass all these liberal reforms. And then McKinley got shot and Theodore Roosevelt ended up in office. And the progressives, that was what he like styled himself, split themselves off into another party. Some of them did. And the ones that remained with Taft just sort of slowly keeled over to business interests. And they had a lot of rhetoric that they weren't that way. But by the time you get to the 20s and you get to Calvin Coolidge, it's like, well, all the Republicans that like either didn't flip with Woodrow Wilson or didn't join the progressive party with who is that William LaFollette Jr. or whatever from Wisconsin ended up really just being the next oligarchs of the country. And that's very much what he is. He's Mm -hmm. they show him with Theodore Roosevelt. Then he's like, okay, so he's self-interested in money. And then they just show him with like Hitler and they show him with like. 
corruption and they 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 show his moral fall from grace and i think it's it's interesting to study that because often where we take the reins off of power and we mm. say it's great to have that power in america that's being an entrepreneur we often allow a massive amount of moral hazard to happen mm-hmm. you know and, and when i said before we started the movie i said oh this is like zuckerberg well I think that the social network is a modern day Citizen Kane in the moral story it tells. But how? I haven't seen the social, the social network. network. I've lived it okay, by being so on Facebook th- for all these years. In my opinion, the liberties they take bring it closer to Citizen Kane. It starts with him being dumped by a woman, and all he's doing is he's talking about his status, his aspirations, his technical ability. It's it's just in a bar, but it's a very maximalistic form of dialogue. It's Aaron Sorkin. Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah, Zuckerberg is. He's in a bar. So they make Zuckerberg very charismatic? No. He's not they, talking about they smoking make, meats? They make him like a Ben Shapiro type, almost. Oh, oh yeah. They, <laughs> it's yeah, like a mix yeah, of Citizen do. Kane and Ben Shapiro, yeah. and well, As and, you can see, I really think you're attractive. And I Would was you like, like to go out with me? I was like underwhelmed by Jesse Eisenberg until I saw that movie, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like he does a really good job." And what's his name? Who's uh, he's an amazing Spider-Man, uh, Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Yeah, he plays like yeah. the equivalent role as um, as uh, what's his name in this? The the best friend who writes the skating. Oh uh, yes, um, Leland. There's a reversal scene in. Uh, in the social network that to me reminds me of the scene with the critic here where mm-hmm. he finishes and he's like, yeah, like I'm fucking you over and I'm fucking you over the way you would fuck yourself over. <laughs> like it's sort <laughs> of that mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of that like dark, uh, like irony. I think if you're in the mood to watch another citizen Kane, yeah, some people are going to tell you there will be blood or like, you know, equivalent stuff. But I, I feel like the social network is the best, like, for the 2010s, what Citizen Kane is for the 40s. They show Citizen yeah. Kane with, like, you know, they show Charles Foster Kane with, like, Hitler in the movie and all this contemporary stuff at the time. Uh-huh. And they're mocking him for not thinking there will be war. But then in, in the Facebook movie, they're they're showing, like, the crippling pressure of living in, like, a world where you can only be in the middle class or better if you're in college. Mm. So the people who take their shot, the plucky Horatio Alger types are now the ones that are in dorm rooms and that's the cheapest. That's the lowest you can go to be a dreamer nowadays. But look, mm. but I feel like I'm making a side comment, but the point is if you, if you want to get the feeling that you got out of the 1940s, watching citizen Kane, watch the social network, you get that out of the 2010s. Okay. I, um, I honestly, another movie that came to mind was, was aviator. I think mm-hmm. it was just or the aviator. I think it was just uh, thinking about someone just kind of dealing with, like being famous, you know? Yeah, and, and how Howard much, Hughes, he, yeah. he dealt with engineering, he dealt with business, he yeah. dealt with war, he made a movie that won Oscars, too. Like, Man, I, I, I didn't even know that. Which movie was? Uh, did he make? A, Wings. That, it's a silent film? Yeah, he yeah. spent millions shooting the planes to make them look... Really? To make it, yeah, and there's like even the scenes with with like people on the ground, they're very overdone shots like that you wouldn't see again until Citizen Kane. Wasn't that a best picture? I think so. Yeah. Hmm. But it's, it's at the time they had two different best pictures. So it was like best drama or best adventure or some weird garbage like that. Yeah. Still interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Weird split. So Mike, I have to ask. Yeah. 
because as we were watching this, you told me you would uh, rent this out from the library all the time. So what drew you towards Citizen Kane? Well, I wouldn't say I did it all the time. I think I did it like three times. And it's a lot. I, I actually didn't like the movie, and I spend a lot of time perseverating on art I don't like, especially when a lot of other people like it. And this was kind of a thing I did as a kid to, like, I don't know, like empathetically prime myself to a point of view that where that point of view's love overlapped with, like, my own sort of disgust, you know? Okay. So. So I thought this movie was so fucking bleak as a kid. I like he just has like what I as a kid, like I think that the worst anyone's going to do, you know, like anyone does as Uh like a like a preteen or a teenager is that you think the worst you're going to do is end up like your parents. But Mm. otherwise, your dreams are going to come true. And then the older you get, the more you realize your parents tried like really fucking hard to just be a half decent, you know, group of human beings. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, of course you could end up as imbalanced as Charles Kane. Like, yeah, yeah, like now that I'm like in my 30s, I look at this movie and I'm like, geez, there's like parts of my like life I never lived. There's parts of the life I wish I hadn't lived. Like there's so much humanness. And I remember as a kid, I thought the movie was very mechanical and and. Um, you know, elocutive, like over overly performative and unrealistic. And now I just realize it's it's a much more like human movie than I saw at that time. You know, interestingly, interestingly enough, Mike, too, is that uh, we never really saw uh, Charles Kane's son. Like, yeah, we, we're in talking about like, you know, families doing the best, like right. in a way how like his first wife just kind of exited the movie mm-hmm. like so did him and like just wanted yeah. anything to do with it well do you remember the exposition with that oh i don't they, even they remember died. what are these they died that's in a car crash oh, oh was it the car right. that they put the sun in the night of the affair no it, i think if i remember correctly it's either two weeks later or two years later that they died Oh, it was it was like they had a they got the divorce separated and then later they died i mean there's a lot of he's kind of implied to be a politician around that time and there's a Mm -hmm. lot of politicians who have shit like that and keep rallying like Mm. you know like biden lost family like modi i mean modi sidelined his family he didn't lose family he pretended he wasn't married for 40 years and then like everyone's (laughs) like you have a wife that you like won't divorce and you also won't let her leave her own house like what the hell is this oh you haven't seen her for a long time and he's like oh that's my private life the current leader of india oh okay that's it's called i have control issues he's gonna find this podcast and be like ban that episode get him on the list get him on the list yeah (laughs) kind of want to be yeah but no um the there well who else had that happen um stalin had his son die i think in a in a prisoner of war camp and his in his first wife died in a really i think like tuberculosis or something and Mm. at the funeral he was like i buried my heart with her and it was like damn damn bro you spent the rest of your life proving that one like yeah yeah he uh she uh passed away at like a young age like they they were they like married yeah i think they were in their early 20s when she died i think i heard a story about like how how in love they were and how that really did change him yeah it could have been his later 20s but he he spent a lot of the time people not knowing who he was loyal to 
there's an infamous bank robbery that took place in the modern day capital of Georgia, uh, Tbilisi. It was called Tiflis in Russia at the time. Have you heard of Stalin? This? Yeah, he was yeah. Uh, essentially uh, a gangster a thug. Well, and he uh, took control of the country. Am I right? Well, I uh, yeah, but not related. He went through many different forms of it. So, like, okay. a lot of political radicals, far left, far right, or separatists, all sort of operated like gangsters to bankroll mm. their operations. So, yeah, the Bolsheviks did it, but like arch conservative groups that wanted to overthrow other arch conservative groups kind of did the same mm. thing. And like groups that wanted independence also did. So you can't really burn like the Bolsheviks on that one. Like within other left groups and within other political groups, there was this sort of like criminalization of politics going on. But uh -huh. but Stalin was getting paid by the undercut by the cops to be an undercover cop and then claimed to the communists that he was operating for them as a double agent. And then the police found out and he said, oh, no, like I'm a triple agent. Like <laughs> he just kept playing people and you it try to just, look into the man yeah, yeah. and there's nothing that seems to be like there doesn't seem to be any naked compassion you can detect even when he becomes one of the three most powerful people on Earth. You know, damn, it's just like sounds like classic Russian like climb to fame and how like generals turn on one another and whatnot it's just like you know it's well, all about it's just like power that's like the well, number he, one he society degraded i mean the communist party started having active debates and he essentially first eliminated what was it first the left-wing opposition then the right-wing opposition uh -huh. yeah. and like then ended up saying like oh well the only version of reality is mine and he did advance the country he electrified the country in less than 10 years which well. is wild and like doubled the literacy rate but also he did some he just deported entire ethnic groups i feel like we're getting off on a tangent Killed six eight million people but anyways yeah. <laughs> um speaking of power and communism let's get back to citizen kane accused charles communist. yes <laughs> charles kane charles foster kane so i want to talk about because like we're dancing upon like kind of like the influences for this character. But before yeah. we go further, can we just briefly describe the overall plots of oh. Citizen Kane along with this character? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a movie where the structure of the narrative differs from the chronology of the narrative, you know, like mm -hmm. your standard flashback, flash forward. But you're really getting a collage that goes in the order of receiving an enticing question to frame who he is and then a movie that sort of goes beyond that and you think it's pulling you in but then in the at the very end it sort of resolves on a shaggy dog note of what the first scene was about and yeah it wasn't really about it but whatever and and anyway the so the opening scene is he dies he says a mysterious word rosebud no one knows why rosebud yeah rosebud. And it sets off a sort of um, investigative chase of his past with these journalists. What's who, Rosebud? Yeah, they, they, stand, they stand in the yeah. smoky dark theater yeah. and they ask, well, can what is Rosebud? Can we get more about this guy? All we know is that he's this magnanimous, you know, media control, media CEO. We don't know anything about him. Yeah. And we only know what the papers say. And you can't trust the papers because he controls the papers. So it's sort of a statement about how – 
people in diving into the past, it's a statement about like what greatness is, mm-hmm. how it affects you, how much of it is handed to you, how much of it doesn't matter whether or not it's handed to you, you know, how much de- how decent you are and whether it matters if you're decent. It's sort of bringing up all these attributes about being human and showing him falling short or succeeding, but then kind of also asking like, is this going to really make a difference with the rest of it? Like it, it, I think there's a subtle sort of critique of the, the, the rich and famous and wealthy and just broadly powerful Mm -hmm. in saying like, well, no flaw will really stop these people if they have enough power, you know, like, right. You know, until, until something that simply can't happen, you know, bangs its head against the wall. And that's what you get with, um, that's what you go with his second wife. So, I feel like I, I told that in a really roundabout way, but um, sort of in Book of Matthew style, where we're not going to go chronologically <laughs> here. You know, this isn't this yeah. isn't you know the Book of Luke, but but it's it's really a movie about um, what it means to be great and what it doesn't mean to be great. Yes, like William Foster Kane, like he came from humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Great Expectations, where he's scooped up as a kid, and yeah, very uh, Charles Dickens, yes, very Dickensian, and like (laughs) we see Beethoven, now we have Dickensian. Yes, we see his uh, progression from young man to old man, Mm -hmm. and we see his triumphs, we see his uh, defeats, we see the sad ending to his story. And I can't help but see the real-life people that could have possibly influenced him, which is William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that William Randolph Hearst (laughs) – I don't know if you know this, Diego. I don't know who William Randolph Hearst is. He essentially – correct me if I'm wrong. Uh He essentially was – the guy that I mean, he's pretty much Citizen Kane. He had a newspaper company, and he, uh, it was the newspaper company to get news in the United States. Wow. He was back then, in the turn of the century, a billionaire. Okay, so that would be in today's money an ungodly amount of money. He controlled paper so okay. much so that yeah. during that time, side tangents, he is the reason why cannabis is federally illegal because he found out hemp um, is cheaper to make for paper than wood. So he was like, I need to ban that shit. But why didn't he just like use it for himself and then... Because he has farms of trees. Oh, That is crazy. Wow. I mean, I'm the king of side notes and that's a crazy side note. But the bigger thing about William Randolph Hearst is that he's known for having such a unit, like such a large reaching opinion, Uh you know, like they show with the map in this movie where he owns a newspaper in every city. He he literally did that. And he there's a lot of historians who give him credit for encouraging the Spanish-American War. The Spanish-American War broke out over an outrage that one of our boats had been bombed in a harbor by unknown assailants in Cuba. A false flag. Yeah, and it was either a false flag or he blew it out of proportion and made a lot of Americans outraged so that we would be pushed into war. So then he would make money. 
Yeah, and he um, sent journalists there to. Rep- and so in this uh, movie where they go, you the Spanish American War was Kane's War. The Spanish American War was often called Hearst's War. So it's a very blatant and he also wow. had like an affair with yeah. like an not an underage maybe she was underage she was very young oops and that was very much you know they had that scene in in citizen kane and so when this movie came out he used his big long arm of newspapers to just have it just get smeared at you know uh-huh. and, and it's not uh-huh. as much as like legends make it out to be but it was definitely there there was definitely hostility there's definitely a chilling effect, you know, and did, and, and the movie kind yeah. of underperformed. Did uh, Hearst, um, like his money, like his lineage live on? Yes. Oh, yeah. Who? Yeah. Who? Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Are you a fan of The Nerdist? Are you a fan of The Walking Dead? Are you a fan of Chris Hardwick? I don't know. He married the granddaughter, the heir to William Randolph Hearst's fortune. Oh, yeah. Literally, biologically, he lives on. Patty Hearst, who I forget how she was related to him. Was that his daughter, granddaughter? She got she involved in the business. She joined a militia. Uh, Crazier than that. (laughs) She got kidnapped by bank robbers who were running. They called it the Symbian Liberation Army. But they they claimed that they were like for like animal welfare and black rights and all this stuff. But they were just kind of like. I mean, going back to the whole Stalin story, they were kind of opportunistic uh, bank robbers. Um, it's like, I think the guy's name was Donald LaFreeze or something who kidnapped her. Let's but kick some ice. They, they, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> he wasn't like, that would be, t- <laughs> can you imagine? It's like, it's like <laughs> fucking Frozone from the Incredibles. Like, what do we want? <laughs> like, oh, man. Ice cube. They're robbing the bank. Where's my super suit? Like, you guys need to chill. <laughs> what killed dinosaurs? The <laughs> <laughs> <T>. Ice Age. <laughs> so okay, so um, oh, sorry, I gotta recompose myself. Oh my god. So in all seriousness, Patty Hearst was kidnapped, um, and she ended up believing their movement and participating in the crimes with them. And then she got like rescued slash reverse kidnapped or pulled out of it. Basically, that sounds like that was a way for her to just survive. 
yeah, but it could have also been a way for her, like, rich family's PR team to cover her ass after the whole thing ended. I mean, that's, like, what the dissenting... You have to be aware of that because there is some validity to it. But, yeah, it's not uncommon for people to, yeah, go along with their kidnapper. They yeah. call it Stockholm Syndrome. But so I know pictures of her holding an AK-47. Yeah, that's really the uh, thing operating. Okay, right, right, right. So this is this goes beyond uh, some Hold of on. Just- I'm going to – I know our, our listeners can't see the photo, but, you know, you all can look it up on Wikipedia. I'm right, but you. this goes – like this goes beyond just like, oh, yeah, you, you know what? You guys are cool just to like get away for the evening. Like she bought it all. You know, <laughs> she was there for, you know. Yeah, here's you know her yelling at the bank hostages with an AK on the security camera with the other. Damn. Uh, okay, so <laughs> she still has a whole bunch of money, and she decides to rob people. Uh, she, she like disowned. Yeah, she disowned her like family and said that they were like capitalist pigs and all this. And then afterwards, she was like, "Oh, I was programmed by a cult." So. When you grow up having everything you could possibly want, yeah, some people go crazy. Fuck that! Well, I think it's. I think I don't want to be that unfair. Like I think everyone's a product of their conditions and their limitations within their conditions. And just look at Naperville. Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) But never had a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But um, didn't they, like, not let MLK sleep in a hotel in Naperville? He had to, like, give a speech there and then leave before sundown or whatever? I would not be surprised. It was a really long time ago, and I feel like bringing this up is, like, you know, the people who bring up, like, you know, well, the Democrats used to be racist. It's like, yeah, you know. The suburbs of Chicago are essentially white flight areas. Yes. Especially the western suburbs, where Naperville is. Oh, yeah. Like... During the 2020 uh, Black Lives Matter riot uh, protests, there was a giant, and I kid you not, there was a giant circle with a cross in it in Naperville on their water tower. That's the KKK symbol, Diego. Wait, really? The Klan is in... Illinois, the Klan is in the burbs. Yes. Well, okay. Somebody could have drawn one in Chicago, and that doesn't mean Chicago's. That's a, true. People could be edgelords. If if you're saying does yeah. Naperville contain a lot of those people, yeah. I bet it, someone was crazy enough too to climb up that water tower and do that. And it said white power underneath. Okay, was it crudely done? I mean, it wasn't like artistic, but it also wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't an artist statement. <laughs> I'm not saying this white supremacist was an artist, <laughs> right? Nor was it like an official team logo, you know, like, the official team logo of white supremacy. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna make. I'm gonna if make you're that. gonna join the club, you have to use the logo. Here's our brand guidelines. <laughs> you can't stretch out the logo. Yeah, yeah. It's on a white background. Can you imagine black. if, like, if like the Ku Klux Klan changed their name to their motto and then sued people for using it without their permission as like a sleaze ball? That'd be re- sorry. We were talking about Citizen Kane. <laughs> I think we're I far from home right yeah. now. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> this podcast is never gonna end. Okay, it's the Going- Naperville Crusaders. And- That's all. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the Naperville white sheets. Guys, we gotta stop. White <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, Naperville. First I insult India, now I insult Naperville. I'm just not gonna be. I'm not gonna be allowed to go Naperville anywhere. Phantoms. I want to shop. Phantoms. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Naperville white skins. Oh, you know, I grew up in Cary, so I shouldn't really. It was like ninety-seven percent white, I think. Or, well, no, there was a Latino population there, just not a lot. Like William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. So yeah, they're both media magnets. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get back into William Randolph Hearst. Yeah, because we went on a tangent on his daughter. Because <laughs> I mentioned yeah. his granddaughter. Well, I mean, it's just too crazy what 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 happened to Patty Hearst to just. But but yeah. So William Randolph Hearst, um, he influenced elections. He started out very liberal and slow, so liberal that I think. Ayn Rand kind of has like a semi insert of him as like a socialist newspaper man and like uh what is it, Atlas Shrugged or maybe it's the other one, Fountainhead, I don't remember. Has which. Uh, anyone ever taken control of a country via like starting from a newspaper? Yeah, it's yes. called the current people that run the US. <laughs> it's called propaganda, bro. What do you know? But well, like what I'm saying We're is an that, information like, war. What do you, what do you think? Like the okay before before you say that there's like a, a good or bad side. What do you think the concept of bringing a culture war into politics is? That's not whether any particular administrative organ does its job well or stamps its stamps well or like fixes the sewers well. It's it's just a idea of what idea outrages you or doesn't outrage you, removed from the praxis of how the government's actually working, right? So, uh-huh. like, I when you look at the media, it's like, how do they get people to do what they want to, to get them outraged or happy in a direction, you know? And that's what Citizen Kane talks about. I keep calling him Citizen Kane. I'm just going to call him that because yeah, yeah. Charles Kane doesn't saying. roll off the tongue. Citizen no, no, no. Kane. Yeah. Yeah. But – but when you look at that, shortly, I think it was seven years after this came out, um, Adorno and what was his other name? Horkheimer? Horkheimer? I can't remember his name. Uh-huh. They they released a thing about how, um, sure, the, the, the communists are like controlled by a bureaucracy and the fascists are too militaristic. But their whole point was that like capitalism is turning into like where the media runs it. And they gave all these big reasons. Uh-huh. But – it was 1948. This was 1941. It wasn't that long after. It was. This was very much a concept of how much power are we really giving this new field of synchronized entertainment that is the media? Like, huh. uh-huh. like, is it too dangerously powerful? Is it going to take over the way all these other weird groups? That's right. You know, uh-huh. seize power. It is the fifth estate. Yeah. <laughs> it and yeah. It's not necessarily about um, actually providing what's like going on in the world but more about like swaying people's decisions and like Absolutely. how they spend money and shit like that yes yeah oh, and there, there's a really good it's point. reality for people they read the news they read the newspaper they look at the internet they look at social media and their perception of reality is shaped by what these news outlets are reporting so they're reporting so they're reporting their own reality uh-huh. Well, okay, and then so- people are digesting that. They're like, oh, I'm going to make my opinion based on this. And we saw this in the movie too, that Citizen Kane, he was going to be governor of, yeah. I forget which state, New York maybe. Yeah. And he was going to win by a landslide. Yeah. And then he was caught in an affair right. the night prior to election day. 
And then because of that salacious headline of him being caught with a, quote, singer, a love nest, people are like, whoa, I don't trust this guy all of a sudden. And then they didn't vote for him. And he lost. I mean, there was a really good uh, potential Democratic candidate to run against Reagan in the 80s where his affair came out. I think it was was that was that the governor the governor governor of new york or was it was it the first time reagan ran no he won by a landslide no because that was he was um he was up against carter right jimmy carter yeah right it was jimmy carter versus ronald reagan in 1980 jimmy carter no not jimmy carter you gotta look it up i i feel like it's not jimmy carter yeah, I feel like Jimmy Carter lost re-election because they said the last person before Trump to lose re-election was, uh, well, no, I guess George H.W. Bush did, but. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so can you believe it? Even Illinois was red. Well, Illinois was known as a Republican state for a long time. Like the Chicago Tribune was a Republican newspaper so until the nineties. What is this dispro- disproportion? What is this? That this was, is when that was Ronald a- Reagan ran. Yeah, Holy look at how Jimmy many Carter. he took. Yeah, damn. Is that the biggest landslide that's ever existed? No, no. Go look at uh, Nixon's election, Nixon's re-election actually, and then he resigned like shortly after he like won by a big landslide. That has to be that has to be so defeating, like as an American at the time, like almost kind of. Oh yeah, there were people who's like stopped involving themselves in politics for the rest of their lives after Watergate. Damn. What was the big thing with? uh, What was Watergate again? Oh my gosh! (laughs) Damn. I am not a crook. Was he selling documents? Yeah, it was McGovern. That's who I was thinking. Was that the big thing? Was no. it TLDR? McGovern Nixon got paid, seventeen. Nixon points. created a B and E team to steal the Democrats' information from their offices. Breaking uh, and entering. Oh, oh, yeah. man! Watergate. That's what, that's what the plumbers were in Watergate. They were a breaking and entering team. Like they were, they were, they essentially were a group of not breaking and entering team. They were a burglary. You know, a, I don't know what you call it. Burglary squad. Burglary Criminals. <laughs> so he wasn't respecting the system. No, he was blatantly trying to. They like they I think they picked the lock or broke the door down and then started going through their like file cab filing cabinets. Like I think their power's insane. off. I see them with flashlights. Yes. Yeah, somebody like, oh, <laughs> you're you know, talking about the <laughs> Forrest Gump. I think yeah. they're looking around. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's so great. Okay. Oh. So, so, and then this whole like kind of, uh, wow. Okay. So I'm just having a big, yeah, like revelation moment because of the Citizen Kane. No, I was thinking, <laughs> he, he, yes, but I was thinking of Trump, but yes, I was thinking of Citizen Kane. Yeah. They're my yeah. documents. What what did you guys think while you were watching it of how this is like I, I've heard this multiple times. I, I haven't verified it, but yeah. I've heard this is like Trump's favorite movie. I could see I could that. See, yeah, yeah. I never heard of that. It's about but, the money. Yeah, it's about a dude that becomes a businessman who <laughs> winning yeah wins but then at the end loses everything it's like he gets like a little bit further than kane did but then has an even worse thing <laughs> right happen, yeah, you know yeah, like exactly. like if citizen kane is trump at least trump 
has the presidency. I want to hear Kane lo- doesn't. Like, I, I want to hear instead of Orson Welles, I want to hear like a Trump delivery of some of these lines. Like, oh, you can AI it. I bet that's. Oh, you can. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. insane. I think another thing is too is that um, just to talk about the sense of like you know perpetual like loneliness that comes with all of this because like you know at the end of the day like yeah you can practice and flex all of this power but you know if you misuse it you're just evil and no one wants to align themselves right i think you brought up the same root problem that was there with his love which is there there's nobody for him to empathize with because nobody else is in his position and he's looking for that so he can get a love he recognizes that resembles the love he gives himself and it's just it's not there like exactly if you're if you're somebody that completely unique you just have to fall in love with the unexpected absurdity of the other if you want to have any hope at love because you're not going to get it from like you know Uh Uh seeing someone mimic the same kind of archetype you are yes (laughs) it's almost like uh what was it icarus where he's flying too close to the sun and his wings melt off. That's what happened oh. with Cain, is that he achieved so much. He was the richest man in the world. He creates his own mountain with a castle on it, Xanadu, with all of the world's riches inside. And yep. yet, he's alone. He's a recluse. There's no one to share it with. He's alone. Yeah, but I, I He dies alone. That, yeah. that whole thing with Icarus always bothered me because I feel like the success of doing something means that your reality is a little different. And if you're a very successful person, your reality is going to be a lot more different than when you started, unless your reality is, unless your mission is to preserve something, right? Like, like follow me on this. Like if you, the, the story of Icarus flying too close to the sun might be better understood as like, it's, it's not that his wings burned off. It's not that he died. It's that the world he knew died. And, and that's kind of the story of Cain, that the world he knew of being a happy boy died and could never come back. Right. And each big event puts him further and further from that. Like, well, he's adopted by this cold-hearted capitalist dude, but hey, maybe he's going to learn to love there. Oh, no, he, like, legally divorces the guy and, like, then, like, writes all these articles about how he fucking sucks as a businessman. Right. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe he'll find it with his wife. And he's like... No, he's committing to advancing his own career at the expense of that. And it's like, maybe with the fun, passionate second wife. And it's like, oh, no, he's got this creepy controlling issue and all this right. shit. So it's it's like, well, how far is he now from Rosebud? Like, right. Even further, you know. Right. Do you think ultimately Cain regretted everything? Because no, at the end, he no, yearned for that. I think he was just lost. He mm. he want like mm. at the end he's just wandering like an like an old guy with Alzheimer's yeah. like he's he's sorry fucking, to be fucking seen. rooms yeah I mean like we've all Best had room fucking scene of all time not to mention yeah. all the sculptures right because if anything like the, he's not surrounded by anybody so the sculptures like represent. Real oh people. yeah, he's sitting there. They're minerals, Marie. Jesus, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just <laughs> you know he's he he you know his faces that are always gonna just like be there. It's just like kind of reminds him of the thing that he doesn't have, you know. And it's yeah. like mm. when you have all this money, all this power, like, and he's collecting all this stuff. He's just like you know doing everything he can, but it's just not satiating. Yeah, I I feel like it's simpler than that. I think often we fall into a habit of buying things when we are 
when we are out of ideas on how to transform our surroundings. I feel like I want to stop and say really quick that I feel like it's too easy to attribute all these Americans to being Citizen Kane because I think that Orson Welles aimed for this to be the American archetype. And if oh, everybody yeah. has yeah. this as their goal, they're going to end up resembling their goal, even if they fail, you know, and, and like the the whole like what's the word for it? Um, is it self-aggrandizement? Is that the word? Ambition. Yeah, there, there's an idea of of selfish ambition. It's not obedient ambition where you're detailing your obedience, and it's not a it's not a social ambition where you're like you know energizing the social circle you're in. It's a it's a very personal, um, self oriented ambition. It's like John Locke's final goal of classical liberalism is to produce a whole bunch of people. That are like Cain. They are the rational, building, self-concerned uh, individuals. And hey, look at that. We're all brought up on that. We're all brought up on the idea that everything orbits the creativity that comes out of our personal rights. And oh, we all end up resembling Cain. Like it, it's, it, it'd be like if you had a movie about a guy who sat around drinking cigarettes and would just start fighting about anything and it was a french hero you know the same way like it's drinking what? cigarettes no you said drinking cigarettes oh drinking oh drinking and smoking cigarettes yeah, like yeah. drinking the, the, cigarettes the, cli- the cliche french man on the street who who then who then you know gets worked up about like an injustice that happens and joins the protest and then goes back to that the next day and you know has a nice 2 hour lunch and they'd be like, oh, my God, it's like so many of us, but some of us hate that image. And it's like, well, yeah, it was an easy aim, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it is the perfect view of the American archetype because like perfect, like finished or perfect, like it's an encapsulation of like the American dream. It's like when we when we talk about the american dream there's a sense of nostalgia like mm-hmm. oh simpler times and uh-huh. white picket fence and apple pie and yet at the same time it's like we need this ambition to build bigger things and to achieve more yeah. and money and it's like those two are at odds with each other in my opinion they're, they're uh-huh. clashing and with citizen kane uh william like what, what the fuck was his name well, I, I think like what you're talking Kane, about, yeah. because like he's like he's on this track of like ambition and like achieving more and more. He yeah. wants to be freaking president of the United States, and yet at the end of his life, he's like, "My life was better when I was a kid with my sled, with my family, and I had nothing." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up the idea of that's the American you, dream. The, the relationship with your environment in America has this very conquest-oriented idea where mm-hmm. the more you can control about your environment, the happier you will be. You know, not just like, oh, I control people or I'm the boss, but mm-hmm. even like, you know, I have central air and I have everything automatic and I don't have to put an effort into it. And it, it, it does give us a very, like, inventive creativity, but it, it's basically a question between are you – out to conquer your environment or find harmony with it. Mm. And I think like part of the reason we struggle with green politics and all this is it sounds to us like we'll lose our creativity for our destiny because we have to give up on that right to conquer our environment. Um, You Mm. know, I, I saw a video on YouTube where a guy talked about how Minecraft has a 
ultimately neoliberal viewpoint that it is built in. I know you're like smirking, but <laughs> follow me for a sec here. They're talking about how – and this sounds like arbitrary or maybe just a matter of programming. Tell me about the creepers. My well, they, they talk about how – Things spontaneously spawn back again. Yeah. And if you, you know, lay out the river or cover everything in cement, you're still going to get sheep spawning and you're still going to get sunrise and sunset. And it's not going to become a giant, you know, greenhouse canopy or whatever. And their point was that you have to think you have to think in terms of like uh, the metabolism of a system if you really want to think harmoniously and when you look at citizen kane you see that his happiest time in life was when he wasn't in conquest of it or in total control it was when he was in harmony with it mm -hmm. he had nothing he needed to conquer because he trusted his surroundings enough to be the ones in control and i think that that's really what we want i mean even people who hate nature they just want nature to not be a fucking problem you know like it, but people who want to be in harmony with nature you take extreme hippie types. You take – I'm trying to think of a more eloquent way to put it. But, you know, people have had this really um, – what's the word? Heideggerian or existential yeah, sort of – Yeah, new age. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, new age experience. They're doing that assuming they're not getting chased by a grizzly bear. That's also harmonious in nature. You I know? think the other harmonious in nature uh, part that I was thinking of too is that it's not like um, his – yes, his mother did everything she could but ultimately sold him. And his father definitely was hitting him. Yeah. Um, however, I think – um, oh, I thought the dad was an alcoholic. Well, I mean, he, yeah, no, he, he was insinuated like, oh, you better listen to this man or else I'm going to, you know. And, yeah. And then the mom was like, and that's why he has to leave. Yeah. yeah. Far it, from you. And the relation like with nature, I felt like uh, for, for him and why he cherished Rosebud so much was that, you know, that was at the time where he, he felt so free because all, uh, all points of his life, he was just in control, wanting to be in control, wanting to have power. But that was on Rosebud when he had that relation with nature where he just let the earth create the slope. He went on the sled and he just, you know, naturally went down the mountain. Gravity is, yeah. you know, part of the world that we live in. And it's just kind of like his connection with this. I am just, you know, in, in for, you know, when I was a kid and when I wasn't worrying about anything, I could just like go and keep going down without having to worry about it but even even in the part where you know when he gets older you know feeling down or being down on money and his enterprise really you know really affected him and he misses those days when going down was just something fun right you know so yeah i want to i want to return to the thing that you began with and i think you brought this up about the mother and how mm. she, it's her decision and it's interesting in that you I think this says something really interesting about like event forward writing um, over like, you know, these 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 things that meander on character. And this movie is really about one character. But it's interesting that a lot of these characters are driven by or they're defined by one crucial decision they make. And that decision is like how they change Kane's life. But it's not just about like how they change Kane. It's also about the logic behind it like the only scene with the mother she's basically made a decision she plays out the reasoning of her decision the actions that come after her decision she signs the papers she ignores the dad she kisses her son goodbye 
but you get such a nuanced character out of a decision of giving your own child up for foster adoption mm-hmm. using like the chance of an economic buyout and all of these things. Yeah. Um, and you see how much of that she's aware of. And that's all you see about her. But you have a person who you now know has a familial, a really deep, pained familial love that is like willing to be practical in spite of itself. Mm-hmm. You see her economic awareness. She's aware of like what her husband can and can't do to her and what she can still do in that position. And and, and uh, we, this was all just one scene. And you get that out of the best friend, too, where, yeah, they have all these laughs and you're getting the feeling that they're going to have a breakup. But what really orbits around it is he's the only guy that will speak his mind about what he thinks about his second wife. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I forgot his best friend left him, too. Yeah. And his best friend. And that's like they just play their thing out. And it really comes down to, oh, what can you tell me about your best friend? Like, well, he like betrayed me and he like you know, whatever. And I wanted him to betray me. I helped him finish the job. Like I finished the review. Like ultimately Kane can say, I can keep transforming reality and I can keep pushing everyone to believe she's a good singer. But now I have to smear and transform my best friend Uh and I won't. He'll just stand there and he, and he won't. And it's, he, he, the same thing happens when he, when he decides to go and leave his first wife behind there's this thing that he has to do to really become the politician that wins. He has to like play dirty and, you know, push his wife to go with it and leave the little young thing and maybe smear her reputation. And he just simply won't. Right. And I, I think it's interesting when his life starts falling apart. It's when he really stops lying to himself and he doesn't do it consistently, but the moments he does become really important failures. I think it's almost depressing that the few moments he stops lying to himself are the moments that kind of ruin his life. Cause like, and then going back to what you said earlier about the American dream, I still think it is about the American dream, but like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, what form of does the American dream take? Exactly. Here's the thing. It's kind of like the misconception and then the reality. The misconception is, uh, Citizen Kane's journey of like achievements, yeah, and he thinks that's what the American dream is. But even after achieving everything, and then being at the end, and then realizing this isn't the American dream. The American dream was being harmonious with my environment. Yeah, that's the true dream. Well, I mean, I think that's the dream of like any living organism. Really, is to like be under less stress. <laughs> You know, down to the bacteria that's under less electrical stress or whatever the hell is in, you know, organic chemistry. If only he stopped lying to himself earlier and realized that. Yeah. Can I can I ask you guys a question? Yes. That we can end on. Okay. What can can, I know you you guys dropped a couple directors that parts of this movie reminded you of. But can you give me an example of a director you haven't yet mentioned like that you thought part of the movie really reminds you of maybe in a way that you didn't notice the last time you watched it. Like I had a scene that like reminded me of David Lynch briefly in the way. Yeah. Yeah. In the way it was composed. I hope I didn't steal your thunder on that, but was it the cockatoo? The cockatoo, but also like all the weird faces watching. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
That was great. The 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 weird the the way that the her the grotesque mon the the way that the opera montage grows grotesque over time. You know, like, mm-hmm. and the way that they show everyone's faces plastered and, you know, it almost looks like this really gross, like, um, pantomime sort of mm-hmm. thing, you know. Hmm. I'm going to be basic. I'm going to say Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> no, because of the scene with the archives. Yes, that's like. Oh, yeah, that was great. The cinematography. Yeah. Of yeah, that sequence. I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, <laughs> so many sci-fi movies have stolen from this. Yeah, yeah. Well, when the newsreel ends and it's then the smoky theater that it was playing in. Like, oh, perfection! Mm-hmm. Like that. So yeah. many perfect shots. Oh my god! Yeah, it's just it's truly great. Man, yeah. I mean, I think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna stick with. You know, oddly, I was thinking of Star Wars when watching this. So I think I'm going to yeah. stick with that. I think I'm going to just is very like it's almost of a American tycoons, you know, Star Wars opera. Like this is the this is almost like the blueprint for, uh, you know, the day in the life of a like one of those monopoly holders back during this time. You know, it kind of reminds you of uh, that kind of, um, I don't know, that just kind of greed that just doesn't really, it, I mean, I'm sure it, obviously it exists and it's in a new form, but I don't know, when I'm reading in the history books and I'm talking about the Great Depression and everybody with the top hats and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, just how toxic they were to their, their communities and most importantly themselves. Um you know, and how like how that uh rise to fame just kind of like really deteriorates them. Yeah. See. I have three questions for you guys. Okay. Hit me. It's time to get off the fence. Off the fence. All right. So is Charles Foster Kane solely responsible for his downfall? I don't think he's solely responsible for his success. Like, I don't think he exists in a model where his behavior really matters to his wealth. And they drive it home with the, I lost $1 million last year and I'll lose a million this year. Like, he can kind of do what he wants, you know. And, And people see themselves, like, liberated by him. But he also is kind of imprisoned in that. He doesn't get to get an identity through struggle, you know. Does this make him a, um, when you're only out for yourself, yeah. like, a, like a psychopath? No, I think he's just selfish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that I think that, um, is I he don't an know. American psycho? <laughs> Let's see what you did there. I, I, I think if anything, uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Yeah, I think it in a way it just kind of caught up to him. I think that you <laughs> that's know, Getty's campaign poster with that embossed <laughs> Helvetica. Yeah, right. <laughs> like those bastards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like it just kind of caught up to him. I think it just in a way like you can just like live life a certain way, and it may get you to where you want and you know where you want to be socially and whatnot. Mm-hmm. However, it's a big price personally, and that clearly showed. 
I think that you know he he's you know he's always uh, bent the truth, mm-hmm. and uh, in in karmic fashion, it came back to it came back to haunt him. You know, well, I, he starts idealistic when he's young, and it yeah. it's only when he's trying to have things he really likes withstand the trends of time that he starts trying to conserve the past against the present. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so. I feel like, uh, did he become an evil person or did he just, like, not understand the conditions he was creating for his future self? Because, you know, being stuck in a big, lonely mansion with, like, a woman who kind of hates what you did to her after after you, you know, you know, and, and, and then he's no longer that person, but he still has to repent with it. And he doesn't identify with the type of person he's being punished as. Like, uh, that's. He didn't understand. He didn't, you know. He uh, he forgot where he came from. You know, he uh, he started with humble beginnings, and he, you know, he never wanted to be in all of those schools he was because, and that's why he probably got kicked out. And then he said, "Damn, well, now that I'm, I have this like media company, I'm able to, like now people will want to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I can like." rewrite history and not be seen as this loser or as this kid that doesn't belong. But is that like too much power to make it possible to be a good person? Because you can't even keep track of how your power is being projected. I think if anything, time and generations outpace you and you can try to mean well, but there's just things about society that is always going to surprise you and is always just going to, sometimes be larger than you and may in in concepts are just going to be out of your own personal understanding so yeah well that leads to my next question does citizen kane serve as a cautionary tale about the consequences of unchecked power and ambition i think it serves as a way to um I think it critiques the fact that we allow that in a structure in the same way that like medieval films will critique unlimited like absolute monarchies or unlimited religious power. This is basically saying, look, it's too much and it'll turn a person who even means well into being a crappy human being. Right. It's it's kind of like saying, yeah, you know, we shouldn't let this group of people that that is badly wielding power with a bunch of traumatic memories have even more power, you know, but, but it's, it's saying it in a different way. It's saying it about like, uh, the American ideal of a great person. Um, and I don't think we had a lot of literary critiques of like a great American, except from things like, you know, like we have Mark Twain critiquing it and we have, um, we have a little bit of it, but, I don't think that really picked up until you saw people disillusioned in like the 60s, 70s and 80s with with those archetypes of like a um a a citizen succeeding within the bounds of of a republic, you know, and not in a you know, sacred or like um hierarchical way. Right, because by that time society was essentially deconstructing itself because like when this was made, it was during World War II. There was well, this existential yeah, yeah, but, threats of but fascism. I, I, I feel like the criticisms of liberal democracy and capitalism and the ideal man of that 
really there wasn't a there wasn't a popular idea of what that was. There now is where we are hesitant to believe the Bezoses and the Elon Musks of the world. And we were even more hesitant in the seventies and eighties and all of that. But I don't think, I think in the way that we had discredited, like the, the absolute monarchs through the tropes of how they would arbitrarily torture and the way that we discredited the pomp and circumstance of like these high churches and these expensive temples, we hadn't really done that with an environment like, like liberal democracy. And people will say, Oh, well, like Marxism was around, but like, Marxists weren't concerned about critiquing the pursuit of personal greatness like they were after World War II. Like they they were still very much framing themselves as an alternative to the American way as a way of getting out of this like European conservatism. So I I wouldn't I I would say that that Citizen Kane was to me one of the major first uh you know um critiques of America coming from inside of America in a narrative way, in a narrative art form that the masses could easily experience. You could experience this movie for illiterate, you know, like that, that's a pretty great reach. Um, And I think that kind of makes it mythological because then we, when the criticism's valid, then with every attempt, not even every success or failure, we return to that. We return to that idea of, well, this is the limits of how moral you can be in the American dream. Yeah, Exactly. What was the question again? <laughs> yeah, I gave my Gettysburg address over here. <laughs> the Citizen came serve as a cautionary tale uh, for unchecked power, the consequences of unchecked power and ambition. Mm, no. Okay. There's definitely a lot of... Now my there. last question. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, there's some, there's some nice people that are famous. I'm sure there is. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> it's looking bleaker every day. I just checked the news. I'm like, oh, this person sucks too. Yeah, you got man. Taylor Swift. She could do no wrong. Just wait. Just wait. I don't know. I haven't heard of her doing anything bad. I'm just saying. I think Taylor Swift is like the feminine form of Elvis where like all the eh. men resented Elvis, you know? And they're all like, oh, really? This is the person you're attracted to? What the hell? And to me, that's like ta- – but then also had a bunch of guys that wanted to be Elvis, including the Beatles. To me, that's Taylor Swift where you have, you have Swifties, but then you also have this like giant backlash of how she's just like this – you know, within all the, the 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 grocery front magazine beauty standards, she's the epitome of pretty privilege, along with her like music making. And I, I think a lot of people don't really get past that on either one side or the other for the same reason they didn't with Elvis, you know, until he died shitting his brains out on the toilet. <laughs> he was constipated because <laughs> of all the drugs he took. He died on the throne. He was having like what was it like fried spam on top of donuts or something ridiculous. He was in so much yes, but he was also in so much pain that he was just taking so many pills. What was he in pain for again? Um, I he he had a lot of undigested like you know everything about his life. Like he 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 was a small town boy who got big and. Despite all the rumors that he was, like, secretly a piece of shit or whatever, all evidence points to that he was, like, extremely welcoming of, like, performing with black people and stuff. What I'm getting at is there wasn't any direct evidence. There's a lot of different conjectures, but there's no evidence he ever was, like, a really, 
like horrible dude. I guess he married a girl who was pretty young, but he came from an area where that was not uncommon at all. The South. Hey, dun, well, the dun, poor dun, dun, dun. like Appalachian and rural. I don't know if it was Appalachian, but yeah, it was Tennessee, wasn't it? Graceland. Oh, right? oh, 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 oh. Let's see where Elvis was born, just to check this. You know, okay. Tupelo, Mississippi. Here we go. North Mississippi. Those are my running shoes. Um, <laughs> I don't know if North Mississippi is Appalachian. I could be fooled. It's right. not. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, <laughs> my final question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would you recommend Citizen Kane to a friend? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not yeah. even a not even a yeah. shred of doubt. Just yes. I I would t- I would tell them to like when they're going through great movies in chronological order, like do make Citizen Kane in that because it's so much more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. It's it, it's so much more dramatic when you even see other 1941 movies. Right. And then you see Citizen Kane and you're like, oh, well, it's <laughs> night and day. Like, what the hell? It's like, a good streak to start off on. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's like Night of the Hunter compared to the other, like, you know, mid-50s movies. Because, like, before we even watched Citizen Kane. We were like, let's do an Orson Welles movie. And then me, I was like, I don't want to be the normie and do the obvious one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let's do the touch of evil. This is this is good, too. And then it's like, oh, we should have just did Citizen Kane. Now do you understand, Diego? Absolutely. I felt like <laughs> touch of evil, the, just by the name itself, um, kind of like talks about. Uh, you now said I dread work- earlier about touch of evil. There was like, a dread, no. but there was no fucking payoff. Yeah, there was. They threw fucking Orson Welles in jail. I wanted what was it? a gangbang of his wife. That's what was implied <laughs> with the trailer. The touch of evil. And then all these like greaser looking oh. dudes coming in. They're like, oh, we're going to have our way with this lady. Weren't half of them women? Damn, bro. I honestly thought One of them was a woman. She was watching. Was- it was literally like everyone that the, the 50s was like, all these people smoke weed. They must be evil. Oh, like, Reefa heads. Yeah. Nah, it's it's like the LGBT Mexicans. community and POC. Wasn't Orson Welles like, like <laughs> drunk as hell? Like, well, like the character itself was a, very, was a drunk. So touch yeah. of evil could have been the the bottle and hey. also talking about called the bottle how he Orson Welles he doesn't start drinking till the third act though. years later from Citizen Kane 15 years well, later wait, wait, he wait, became wait, wait, a wait, fat wait, piece wait. of shit I'm talking about yes do I'm, you guys do you know the story of the fall of Orson Welles career I can give it to you in like two sentences can you he got he was on he was on top of the world had never done movies was looking at all the different offers he could get, and he made Citizen Kane because RKO was like, like Armand said, was the A24 of, of you know, they were like the low-level yeah, studio. Okay. There Thank was Universal, Armand. there was MGM, there was Columbia, and then there was like RKO way over here. And RKO said, we'll give you two movies where you can do anything you want with them. And he and- decided to make Midsummer. Stop! No, no. What was the second but, movie? So he made Hereditary. This mo- so he made this movie, and they did. They st- they stayed true to their word, and they didn't touch the movie. But the second movie, which also stars stars Joseph Cotton, the guy who plays Leland in this, the best friend. Um, he's not. He doesn't act in this other one. It's called The Magnificent Ambersons, and it's about a man who is new money, 
and and he invented a form of the car and he moves in next to an old money family who manufactures horse saddles and horse coaches. Oh, okay. And it's about how the family's fortunes slowly shift and the way they raise their children and how it causes that. Wow. Yeah. And so he made the movie and the movie is a very dark ending like this one. And they swooped in and they were like, no, fuck that. And so the, I think the only ending that we have, they have some like reconstructed ones that are garbage and they have like stills where they have like a the missing scene, but they have one shot. The one it. we got is like the one we got. We we would love to hear of a better one, but it's the one. We yeah, got. yeah, well, yeah. So so if you watch Magnificent Ambersons, just watch like only watch a version that is the complete scenes. But they they cut the end and they switched it to being a happier ending. And everyone talks about how the movie would have been better than Citizen Kane. I I like the movie a whole lot, and I agree that the ending kind of blows but i don't know if it's better than citizen kane it's such a different movie citizen kane's about an individual magnificent ambersons is about a community sounds like the next movie we should watch yeah this it would actually be a great there's there's a couple actors from this in it but hell yeah but yeah so so they started to cut it and then he his relationship with the american studio system soured after that and it just slowly got worse and worse, and he ended up doing movies in Europe that were, like, low-budget and weird. Touch of Evil was a B-movie that he got not a lot of budget for, you know. But he made a great B-movie, you know, so... It was a great B-movie. Mm. And I'm glad we watched Citizen Kane today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so much... It was better. But, like, yeah. <laughs> Citizen Kane... Excuse me. Orson Welles. <laughs> he... Was on top of the world, and then the studio was like, "Fuck you," and then he was like, nah, "Yeah, fuck me, I'm gonna start drinking." Yeah, damn. And then he's doing wine commercials, blasted drunk. He also we was. He also became like a really like weird kind of racist too. I feel like we shouldn't like he would. He thought that like not. He didn't just talk in terms of white and black. He was mm-hmm. like, "I like Hungarians and I hate the Irish." And even with like Africa, he had weird specific ideas about like different kingdoms and it was like maybe it wasn't different kingdoms it was different like regions where he 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 was like yeah i'm a racist like i don't like how like german call and it's like bro that's not a stop not liking entire groups of people but you know b what the like what the fuck man and he becomes just fat blown up crotchety old man who like he was going to be in the Dune movie that the Holy Mountain director was making. Mm-hmm. Like, but he was in weird shit like that. And I think his last role was what? Playing the planet in a Transformers movie, right? Holy shit, really? Yeah, didn't he play the. He played the Transformer that was like an entire planet, right? Unicorn? What? I feel like. Orson Welles. I'm pretty sure. Hold on. I'm pretty certain he was. If I type in Orson Welles Transformers and no. it shows up. Hold on. He was dead by the time Peek and the Brain came out. Uh, mm. Transformers, the movie starring uh, who did Orson Welles voice in Transformers? He didn't voice anybody. Unicron. Unicron in the movie Transformers, the movie. I rest my the first movie with Megan Fox. No, da, da, da. the like animated. Oh, yeah. no. 
Damn. <laughs> the animated one. The first one I'm with Megan like, Fox. Oh, my God. Yeah, why? Oh that was until 2006. Some, what the you're, hell? You're going to get like, stabbed by a Hasbro simp. They're like, they know they know electronics and mechanics, dude. You're going to have like a car bomb under your car. And they're like, or you thought that was the first Transformers? You said Megan Fox in the same sentence. You're over, you bro. You definitely should have said the animated like Transformers. Yeah, you kept on saying Transformers. He's in yeah, Transformers. Come on, bro. There's if like four, the, there's one there's like ten of them now. Hold on, and then hold on. If, I said, if I said the first Star Wars and you guys went, oh, I thought you meant Phantom Menace, <laughs> there would be no respect. And you wouldn't want that to be respected. Like Right, but in the same sense, when you think of Star Wars, you think episode four, when I think of Transformers, I think about the later Transformers. I think okay, when Fox. I say wait, 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 wait. Oh, okay, is, but you say original. Here's the, no, here's he the said ultimate Rorschach Transformers. test. Transformers. Okay, here's the ultimate Rorschach Shit. test. What is when I say this, what do you Fuck. think of the first Batman movie? Oh. Batman Begins. Or Batman nineteen eighty nine. Batman That's forever. so funny. Batman and Robin, let's kick some ice. Let's kick some ice. Because Adam West was in the first one in That's the 60s. That's not a That's movie. True. That's a yeah, show. That they a had show. a movie of the show. They did? Really? I'm pretty sure Eartha Kitt played Catwoman. Pow! The one who plays the, uh, um, what's her name in Emperor's New Groove, the villain. She plays Catwoman in the original. Maybe- She's Catwoman? Hold I'm on. pretty sure. Hold on. And now I won't. Batman yes, Mike, please. Movie yes. Oh, this is a great 19... podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Batman. We're talking about film, so we're still on. This is, this is better than the Stalin <laughs> bank robbery. Okay. Stalin. So Batman was a movie in 1966. Yes, it was Eartha Kid in it. Um, oh, shit. Burt Ward played. Yeah, Catwoman. Wait, wait, wait. Who's? Wait. Cesar Romero's the Joker. Yeah. I think um, of, yeah. They painted over his mustache because he refused to cut it. I mean, yeah. Motherfucker. Isn't that girl back fast? Jeez. He's an old man. I don't know. Maybe it takes a long time. <laughs> I think he was the first famous Puerto Rican actor, right? Honestly, I don't know. Oh. Or am I mixing him up with what's his name? It was Shakespeare. When I actor. think of the first Batman movie, I think of the George Clooney one uh, with. Arnold. Batman and Dude, that was my first... By Joel Schumacher. That was my first introduction to any kind of Batman movie. Did you get the (laughs) Frisbees that they sold at Burger King? Oh, no. He was doubled as Cesar Romero was... No, 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 no. Part Spanish and part Cuban and born in New York guys yeah, this yeah. was a great podcast okay it was a, it was a, I think it's time to close this out we went into overdrive yeah we went into Batman that's all my fault <laughs> I like literally asked a question and you know next time let's go back to what we're good at mm. Shin Ultraman Citizen Kane 2 Citizen this <laughs> Citizen Kane you said Shin Ultraman. Rose my bud first Shin Kamen Rider Rosebud. Um, we're going to do Common Writer because we did Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman. Now we're going to do Shin Common Writer. If I recommend a movie, but it's a Japanese live action movie and it's bewildering, would that fall enough into a close category? Is it the Paprika? No, it's, if that's the anime. <laughs> nah, there's, if there was a live Paprika, is battle, there is a live Paprika. There is a live uh, Perfect Blue. Oh, live that's action, not going to be good. Perfect that's blue. Not Don't good. say no. what you're going to say. We're not going to watch it. All right. Oh, I thought you were going to describe Requiem for a Dream as the... No, there's a legit live-action remake of Perfect Blue. It was originally going to be live-action, and they didn't have the budget, so they animated it. 
they made into a live action movie. Oh, get the fuck out of here. I'm dead All right, now the podcast is over. There's a live action perfect blue. <laughs> what the fuck? That's just. Ugh. Uh, I'm sorry. No, is there a live action yellow submarine? What the fuck is that? Goodbye, everybody. That's it for this time on The Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at Syndicate. Or join the Discord server where you can catch Armand along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.